I spared you the kissing part, which comes right after that. Um, uh, I <clears throat> love Beauty and the Beast. Sorry if, if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, just kind of on you. It's been out for like 30 years. But that's the end of the movie where the Beast is actually a really nice guy. Um, uh, I love, love that Love that movie because here the premise of the movie is this: is that there was a, a guy who was kind of an ogre, kind of a, a, a mess. He was a prince, and he was a, a jerk, and he had problems, and he was messy, and he was uh, continue. He, he was that way toward the fairy princess or whatever. The I don't know what it's called. The I don't know what she was wizardess. I don't know. I don't even know what the word is. But anyway, he he like hurt her feelings, and so she turned him into a beast. And so she spends, he spends the, the vast majority of his life as uh, a beast, and if he doesn't, isn't transformed at some point in time, then he's going to be a beast forever. He has to find someone that can truly love him. And what happens is, is he goes on this journey where he's actually transformed inwardly, but the exterior is still a mess. He's still got all the issues, but inside, she begins to actually see the value and worth that is in him. And I think that everyone can resonate a little bit with the idea of the fact that we all have these places in us that are maybe ugly, messy, they're not beautiful, but there is something so powerful when someone actually looks inside of you past maybe all the external and sees the beauty and the the power, the majesty of God inside of us. And what I mean by that is this, listen, if we were just to spend the rest of the morning looking each other eye to eye and just speaking worth and life and value over each other, let me tell you how life-giving that would be. In fact, the small groups that Darren, Darren was sharing about, the whole point and purpose of that is to be able to come together to look each other in the eyes and say, you are awesome. There is so much life on you and to begin to pull worth and value from inside of here out. I don't think anybody would reject. In fact, you might even feel like it's super awkward. I don't know. Some of you might have like an issue with the eye contact thing, but if somebody, it, it, have you ever had that like where somebody's sitting in front of you and they're trying to encourage you and you're like, I need to look at the ceiling. I don't know what to do with this moment, right? It's almost awkward. Hear this. In our culture, in the world we live in, it's almost weird for someone to sit down and to look at you with earnestness and honesty and to say, man, I see life in you. I see worth and dignity and value. And here are the gifts that I see in you to the world around you. That's a real, I think that uh, you have and give to the world around you. That's a really powerful thing when someone looks at you and calls out the greatness that's inside of you. And anytime maybe anyone has ever done that for you, you probably remember it. It's one of those striking things when someone looks you in the eye and says, hey, God has amazing things and you don't want to tell you what they are. You'll remember that. It's a powerful thing to receive because listen, this is actually what God does. This is actually not, it's, it's what God does because it's who God is. Meaning this, every one of us, every person in this place has been uniquely fashioned in the image of the creator king. And every one of us have power and life and gifts and abilities 
and all kinds of character that God has set in us as image bearers. And what's so powerful is that God didn't just put that in us, but what he wants to do is call it out of us. He wants to pull it up to the surface. And I would love to be able to spend time looking at each and every one of us to do that. Even as I stand up here as the pastor of this church to be able to look at you, because I'm actually looking all over the room and seeing all the gifts that are on display and all the personality traits that are on display and all of the gifts and all of the uniqueness and the kindness that's exhibited here in this building, even right now. I want you to hear this. God wants to call this stuff up out of you. And my, my guess is this, you're ready for it. You're ready to receive it. I think if the Lord were wanting to sit you down, if Jesus were here right now and wanting to sit, sit down with you and say, hey, I wanna speak some truth about who you are, I think it'd be the most life-giving thing you and I could ever have. Well, the beauty is, is that God is doing that all throughout scripture. He's speaking it. He's speaking of that worth and value. He looks past all those things to call up. And I want you to grab your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter five. And I want you to see the way God treats his people, even if they're like the beast, a little bit messy, don't have it together have some character flaws, have some issues, have some problems, have some life that's not all put together. If you find yourself in that place, you're gonna, you're gonna be in, in good company this morning because that's every one of us. But what one of the centerpieces of who God is is where he is calling us up into another realm and another level of life that he has for us. I want you to look at this in Matthew chapter five. Now, uh, this is called uh, the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of the most famous sermons, if you will, or the most famous messages that's ever been preached in the history of all humanity. This goes even beyond and outside of Christian circles. There's so much power in this. And he begins to say, blessed are all of these people. And he's calling up all these beautiful things. And then I want you to hear this because he's speaking to his disciples who were, and if you've had any amount of time to read uh, the, the scripture at all, you find out that the disciples were just an abject mess, every one of them. They all had issues, they all had problems, they had, they had stuff, they were cocky and they were arrogant and they would, they would fight each other for position and who was gonna be the most important. They were just a mess. Let me tell you what Jesus says to those people who are a mess. Matthew 5, 13, here's what he says. And I'd say he's saying this to you and me. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Your city set on a hill that can't be hidden. So people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. They put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So here's what Jesus does. He looks at a group of people who in no way, form, or fashion have their life together. They have miles and miles and miles and miles to go in their journey of becoming like Jesus and walking with Jesus. They have, they are, they, there's an infinite amount of a journey for them to go on. And he looks right at them and says, I want you to hear something. You, 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 
you, you, you are the light of the world. That's who you are. And I want you like a city on a hill. That's what Jerusalem is. It's a city on a hill. And the light's coming out of it. He knows what they're thinking. He's talking about Jerusalem. It's, the, it's, the, it's that sacred place. And he's looking and says, listen, you, the holy place, he's saying, it's not a city anymore. You are. You're the light of the world. It's who you are. And I don't want you set under a basket. I want you on full display. I want your life for the whole world, for people to be able to see it. I don't want you under a basket hidden away. I want you up out and beaming and gleaming with the light that you are, that I have given to you. And what we feel internally as you go, that sounds awesome, preacher man, but I feel a million miles away from being the one that's supposed to be lit up in a city on a hill. I know I got this, I have this problem, I have these issues, I have these places where I'm failing, I have these places where I've fallen short, I don't feel like salt of the earth, I don't feel like a light city on a hill, I don't feel like a bright light, I feel like I've fallen short. And what we get to see all throughout scripture is this, there is good news. You feel like you've fallen short and you don't measure up and you aren't the light, guess what? That's what he wants to use. It's why he calls you and I light of the world. This is the narrative actually all throughout scripture. Listen, every single leader of significance in the word of God were all people who were insignificant from the get-go. Everyone called, every leader that we see in the scripture, every one of them were people that God pulled up and called up, every single leader was either deeply flawed or at the very least just hidden away from the world, right? We can go through line by line. Moses, deeply flawed, started on the wrong side of the equation, was a part of the enemy, so to speak, of the people of God. King David, the hidden kid, 13 years old when he's called king. So this is good hope for you guys that are in school right now. So they sit, where am I, anybody in the sixth, seventh grade, seventh grade, any seventh graders in here? Seventh grade? Any, no? Seventh, are you seventh? Yeah, seventh grade? Awesome. You're, we're calling you the queen today, all right? You're the queen, all right? This is what God does. Let me tell you something. God doesn't look at hiddenness and go, well, I guess I have to try to work around that. God doesn't look at the things that are flawed and go, well, I'm not, I'll see what I can do with this. Actually, what God does is he looks for the flawed and he looks for the hidden and he says, watch what I will do. I'm looking for the flawed. 
I'm actually looking for the hidden. I'm looking for the one that doesn't have it all together. I'm looking for the one that doesn't have it all figured out because I'm ready to be on display to the world through these shining lights. God finds the unqualified. He finds the unprepared leaders. He looks at the Gideon and he goes, there's no way that the people of God can be saved through this one. So I'm picking him. I'm literally choosing him because he's the least likely. He looks on the inside. I love what the scripture says. In fact, when he's actually talking about King David, here's what he says. Man looks on the outside. Literally, the scripture says, man looks at the outward appearance. Like everything looks good and you've got your world together. But the Lord looks on the heart. Everything's, and I'm telling you, we live in a culture and we even live in a city that loves to look good on the outside. And what God's saying is, no, I'm just looking for the one, the the broken one, the one that knows they don't have it all together because that's the one I'm grabbing and that's the one I'm going to use for my namesake and glory. That's the one I'm searching out to use. Do you ever wonder what God sees in you? Let me tell you what God sees in you. You are the perfect opportunity to change the world. You're the perfect opportunity to see the world changed and transformed. That's who you are. Have you ever wondered up, wondered, whenever you wake up on Monday morning, what do you think God sees in you? This is because of the powerful work that Jesus did on the cross. When you wake up on Monday morning and you're yawning and you're going, I don't know that I can do this without a really massive dose of Jesus and some coffee in my veins right now. And you're feeling that moment. I'm telling you what God looks on and says, listen, you are the perfect opportunity for me to change the world. That's who you are. That's what he says about us. It's, who he see, it's what he sees in us. He sees in us more than what we can see. And he has a plan. I want you to hear this. He has a plan and a calling on every person in here, period. First Corinthians chapter one. I'll throw it up on the screen. You can look at it. Listen, this is what, now the Corinthian church was just about as messy and as uh, bad off and as immature and as, sinful as any other church will read about in all of the scripture. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians. Look at what he says to the people. Listen, for consider your calling. Now, I'm literally gonna pause there. If, if another person for, two, for one moment thinks that calling is for pastors and missionaries I'm going to blow a gasket. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, 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 can't, I can't think of a thing that feels more, um, more of a robbery of the people of God than to think that the people who spend about 30 minutes standing on a platform on Sunday morning somehow have more worth and value and a great calling in God than anyone else. I am standing here proclaiming this to you so that you will know you are as called as anything I have ever been or experienced. You have as much worth and value as any pastor or missionary or prophet 
or apostle ever has. And if you leave this room believing that you're somehow less than, it is a robbery. It's thievery from an enemy. 1 Corinthians 1, 26, for consider your calling. Brothers, and read sisters here, people. Not, now look at this, because this is probably going to describe the vast majority of us. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. That's not an indictment on you. I'm throwing myself in there too, okay? Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth or meaning really have significance. Speaking to significance. You didn't have any significance. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And God chose what is low and despised. I mean, read, not significant. Even things that are, uh, I'm sorry, God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not so literally, if you ever had the thought, I don't have, I have nothing. He says, things that are not, when you're in that moment where you feel like I literally am or have nothing. God chose what is low and despised to bring to nothing things that are. Meaning, having and possessing nothing, and then God does a creative, supernatural work in and through us, brings something about from nothing. If you have ever felt not wise, if you have ever felt not powerful, if you have ever felt not significant, listen to me, you are the exact candidate God is looking to use to change the world. You're exactly, you're exactly what he's looking for. You're the, you are the, Hear this. You're the number one option. You aren't the backup. You're the number one option for seeing the world transformed in the power of God. That is what God does. God is choosing us. Those are the people that God calls. And he not only calls, but he empowers. He finds the weak Shame the strong. Say, you think you're strong. No, I'm looking, for, I want to show you strength. So I find the weak. You think you're not influential? Don't worry, because I'm going to influence the earth through my, the, in, in, the influence, the, the ones who don't have any influence. I'm going to give them influence. And here's what he's looking for. But he says, but would you just consider your calling? Meaning this, this thing ain't going to go forward until we open up our hands and say, Lord, I want to partner with you. When he says, would you consider your calling? What he's saying is this. Have you considered for a minute that what you're going to go into on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning is in fact the opportunity for God to touch and move in the lives of people? Would you be willing to look at partnering with who God is and what he's doing? What the Lord is looking for is people who are ready to partner and say, Lord, 
I don't feel wise, I don't feel significant, and I don't feel powerful. But it seems that those are the, that's the litmus test for you working in this world, so Lord, would you use me? I don't know what that's supposed to look like and I don't know how that's actually supposed to happen, but I know that I'm gonna spend a third of my life in a workplace with a bunch of strangers and a lot of people that don't know you. And a lot of people that think maybe they know things about you, but they might have some bad ideas about you and they've been probably hurt by what the, they deem to be or understand to be, quote unquote, the church. Lord, what would it look like for me to partner with you. The Lord wants to use us. And the reason is, is he wants to show the whole world how good he really is. It's what he wants to do. It's what he's in the business of. God's on purpose looking for people who don't have any business changing the world to be the ones who change the world. That's the best way I know how to say it. God is looking for people who have no business changing the world to actually change the world. But he's looking for partners. He's looking for people who are willing to go there. That's what God does. It's what he does. It's what he wants to do in us. And so the question is this. All right, that sounds amazing. And I see the scripture. But how, how do we begin to step out? What does it look like for us? In our regular context, every one of us is in some way gonna go to a job. You might stay at home with your kiddos. You got a job, a full-time job of nurturing and training and discipling your kiddos. Let me tell you, every one of us has a full-time job in some way, form, or fashion. Here's the question, what does it look like? What What do we see all throughout in the people of God. What do we see in Jesus? How, what does it look like to change the world? I'm just gonna give you a few things and then we'll finish out this morning just worshiping and asking God to do it in us. Uh, number one, we're gonna ask God to make us uncommonly kind. We're gonna ask God to make us uncommonly kind. Now, here is the record that we get to see all throughout scripture is that when Jesus encounters people, he's so radically kind to them. Now, Jesus is so gracious. He's got, he, gets to, he wants to deal with sin and he wants to deal with all the theological stuff. But before he ever gets to the theological stuff, what he actually shows and what he actually displays is he's just merciful and kind. And what he does is he approaches people who were unapproachable because he goes to the leper and he shows mercy and kindness. He shows he's willing to come right into their mess. And he finds the woman at the well, who's at the well alone because she's the social pariah. And you know what he does? He talks to her. He just shows mercy and kindness. And when someone's, when a woman is brought before him and exposed as the adulterer that she actually is, the total and abject mess that she is, what does he do first and foremost? Show kindness. Uncommon kindness. Now, he's gonna get to all the theological stuff and he's gonna call every one of us up to those places of saying, hey, there are places that aren't aligned right. There's areas of sin that God wants to work in us and there's places that he wants to change and transform in any one of us. But listen to this. Not one of those things that God wants to change in us in ways that he wants to transform us is meant it is meant to keep us from stepping into that partnership with what God wants to do in our lives to use us. 
We all have areas of weakness and we all have areas where we've fallen short. But the enemy would love to use that to keep us from ever stepping out. And the truth is this, when we begin to step out in partnership with the Lord, it begins to change us from the inside out. And it begins to call up those places where the Lord wants to fix. If you wanna, I honestly, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my own life is as I continue to say yes to the Lord and what he wants to do, he is faithful to pull up the areas that he wants to fix. But if we're all waiting for God to fix all the stuff before we ever ask and believe that God could use us in this life, then let me tell you, the gospel is never going forward. I'm gonna say that again. If we're all waiting for us to be perfect before we seek to be a blessing to the people around us, if we're all waiting for us to have it all together before we ask God to use us for his name's sake and glory, if we're waiting for that moment, we're going to be waiting for a long time. And the, and the kingdom of God will be stunted in a way that God wants to use us to touch people's lives. So what does it, what does it, what does it actually mean to be kind? Here, just very practically, speak words of life everywhere you go. Speak word of life everywhere you go. Meaning this, every person that you are around at your workplace, it can be encouraged. Every person. Every employee that you have or you're over, every boss that you serve, everyone can be spoken life over. Now, this is the part that's a little bit uncommon in our culture because it gets weird when you start encouraging people. They're like, hey, what, what do you want from me? You know? I'm telling you, this is the way our culture is wired. You have words. Listen, let me put, Jesus has words of life to speak over the people you're around. Would you be willing to be the mouthpiece? He's things to say. He wants to, he wants to encourage. He wants to bring hope. He wants to bring life to people. Everybody has something. Some, everyone is worthy of being encouraged, called up. You can be kind. It's a, one of the most baseline ways for us to be kind is just to speak words of life. Don't be the one who's speaking death. Don't be the, meaning this, don't be the one that's like calling the world, uh, uh, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and we're all, we're all doomed and finding whichever political party you hate and railing on that in your workplace. Seriously, this moment of conviction, this if you're doing the political argument thing on Facebook, just reconsider your profession in doing that. Just don't do it anymore. Just like, hey, this is like really, hey, listen, we can fight on Facebook or we could not fight on Facebook and pray. I, I'm so thankful for this October 10th. I, I'm praying that October 10th gives us an opportunity to set our hearts before the Lord so we just begin to ask God to move. Listen, there's all kinds of political ideologies I, I, I hate. But what I wanna do is I wanna go to the king and ask him. And I don't, what I don't wanna do is get in a political brawl with someone in my workplace or on Facebook because this is what, there isn't any changing that's gonna happen there. The change is gonna happen when the Holy Spirit of God descends on our state and transforms us from the inside out. Let's just ask him to do that. Let's be people that speak words of life and kindness over others, all right? If you're at a restaurant, right? Be kind to your waiter or waitress, right? Just think about kindness. Speak words of life. Encourage, pray, leave a good tip, right? Just 
be kind. Uncommon kindness. That's what he's calling us to. Secondly, uncommonly trustworthy. We're gonna ask God to make us uncommonly trustworthy. Very simply, do what you say you'll do. Just do what you say you'll do. Don't be the one who is trying to do the, the backdoor mean-spirited thing, but you're nice to them to their face. Be trustworthy. Be one of just that's kind and, uh, and is willing to do the right thing. I, I love this. You might even be in a job situation where someone's asking you to do something that is not right or wrong. Do the right thing. It's worth it. It's worth it. Show up on time. Be a blessing to your boss. Bosses, be a blessing to uh, your, um, the, those that you oversee or your employees by just being trustworthy. D- don't, don't be the gossiper. This, if you like to, and it's, it's like the easiest thing in the world, the office chatter. Man, can I just say something to you? Be free of having to be a part of that. Just relinquish having to be a part of the office gossip and chatter. I, the, probably the most like normal thing on the planet is when all the people in the, um, in the break room uh, hating on the boss who's an ogre and gossiping about all the issues and stuff going on. Man, I just wanna encourage you. Throw it to the side and just be trustworthy. Be the one that when people come to you, they know you're rock solid and trustworthy. You're trustworthy with the th- things that are going on in their lives and not gonna take for granted what someone has entrusted to you. Be trustworthy. And then finally, just wanna say this and we'll finish up here pretty quick. Uncommonly uh, bold. Be uncommonly bold. That's what the Lord's asking, is calling us to, is just to trust him and then step out. What, so what does it mean to be bold? One, just pray. Pray, would you, just be, would you be willing to pray for those that you work with? I know it's maybe a radical thought. You might pray for the one that's really a problem, but just asking the Lord and just saying, Lord, would you work? Would you move in their lives? Just begin to pray for them. I would love, even if you found one that you just can pray for, just asking the Lord to move in their lives, just being faithful to pray. Pray. Uh, another great thing, this is totally, I think this is totally a, a doable thing. What, what if you just took a step to invest in someone? Just took one step to invest in someone, meaning you, say, you grab a couple of people at the office and say, hey, listen, twice a month when we're having lunch, 30 minutes, could we just sit down? Let's sit down and let's go over this book together. Find a book or let's find some content or let's, let's just talk about what's going on in our, in, our, in our home lives so we can be an encouragement to each other, be a blessing to each other. But what if you just grabbed a couple of people and just said, hey, every other week, let's just get down. Let's just sit down and how, how can we encourage each other? How can we be a blessing? How can we back each other up in this thing called life? I'd love it. I would love to start literally 30 small groups that never, they, it, they might not ever darken the doors of this church, but we got small groups happening all over the city where people are just coming together to encourage, to challenge, to bless. Just find a couple of folks. Hey, listen, you're, you're already, listen, you're already hanging out. You have to have lunch anyway, right? You have to have lunch anyway. Just do it. Just find some folks and say, hey, we're gonna do lunch on purpose together. 
It's a, it's a great way just to step out, just to invest in someone. It's awesome. You know what they call that, by the way? They call that discipleship. That's what that, that's, that, that's what that actually is. You're like, you ever wonder, what, like, what does it mean to disciple somebody? Grab them over your tuna fish sandwich, all right? And to say, hey, what's going on in your life? And what is God wanting you to do in you? And what are, the, what are your fears? And how can we pray for you? And here's my junk too. And will you pray for me? That's discipleship. In a nutshell, there, I just totally, just totally uh, put the definition on that for you. Okay, you good? You're going, where are you going? That's, that, where are you going with this, pastor? All right, uh, you wanna be uncommonly bold? You could just actually invite somebody to church. They say, hey, you have a home church? Come on, come to our church. Why? Because it's entirely possible our pastor will say something totally insane or even mildly inappropriate. That's possible too. Just come be a part of the adventure, right? Just come, come, come hang out with us. Come to our church. We, we care about, I care about you and what's going on in your life. Uh, uh, another way, great way to just be uncomfortable, just share your story. Just share your story, good, bad, and ugly, and how God's entering into your messiness. I'll tell you what the world needs to know is that God is not afraid of messes. The best way for people to know that God is not afraid to enter into messes is to tell people how he's entered into your mess and what he's speaking to you, what he's encouraging you in. It's what he wants to do. I, I love, let me tell you, I wanna be a part of a community of imperfect people that are just willing to say, we don't have it all figured out, we're a mess. I may not have my home life figured out, may not have my marriage figured out, I may not have my kid thing figured out. I may not even have this work thing figured out, but I know this, I want to partner with what God is doing. I wanna be a part of a group of people and I want us to be a church that's just willing to be used by the Lord whenever, ready. So the scripture calls us to in season and out of season, just to be able to jump in. And the truth is this, here's what's crazy. I get to see this on display. We get to see this on display every Sunday. We get to see this all the time people just in this church loving and serving. I think it's just so crazy that we're willing to serve and be kind and bold and encouraging to be, to be all of those things. We'll do it on Sunday morning because I see it every Sunday. I'm, I'm looking at all of you and I'm so thankful. There's so many ways, so many people giving of their lives. Mary and Greg, thank you. Thank you for serving. You, you, you guys, for like basically the better part of a decade, were the only people making coffee. Thank you. You know what? We all thank you for the coffee that you made. But the, and Mary does so many more things. She helps create all, all kinds of things administratively for us. She's so thankful. Ken, thank you. Thank you. You cooked the best pork, pulled pork I've ever had in my entire life for the entire church. Ken like spent, I don't know, 142 billion hours making pulled pork for us. But that's a gift. Thank you for doing that. I mean, that means something to me. I'm so thankful. Shane and Renee Casey, thank you. You guys serve this place. Man, nobody, now this building would literally be falling in on itself if it weren't for you guys, literally. Thank you. Thank you. You serve. I love it so much. I'm so thankful. Kylie's in with the kids. Kylie? And Dan, they're in with the kids this morning. I, I feel so thankful. I'm just gonna honor them here. <laughs> You'll have to just tell them, man, you're with, we really like you, thank you. But I, we love them so much. So, Kylie, I, a year ago, I asked her, would you be the interim for our kids' ministry? 
and just cover this until we try to find someone that was a year ago. She was like, yeah. She was thinking, yeah, I'll give them a couple of months and to get them where they're, we're a year down the road. We've had a couple of different people. We were looking, we've been looking for a, a children's ministry director for our church and we're continuing that journey. We're a year down the road. And you know what? She has never once complained. Never once. I want to see the hands. If you have worked in our kids' ministry in the last year, would you just raise your hand really high? Just high. I mean, high, high. Raise your hand high. High. Would you, guys, can we just say thank you to these guys that work in our kids' ministry? Listen to me. Let me tell you something right now. There's nothing more important than investing in our kids and asking God to move in their lives. There's nothing more important to me than us getting to do that. And I know that in this church, while we have one service, when you go back there, then you don't get to be out here worshiping and connecting with other people. There's a sacrifice involved in working with our kids' ministry. It's so meaningful. Here's what I'm saying. And by the way, there's a hundred, I I could just thank, there's so many of you. There's people that are our worship teams and our small group leaders and our elders, and we have people that are working. And I I wish I had more time to thank just literally every person face by face. But let me tell you, if we can employ the beautiful gifts of God that he has placed in us with kindness and boldness and, and doing that here on Sunday morning, is it possible that you could do that as intentionally on Monday morning to be used by the Lord, to take the beauty of your gifts and talents and ways you serve here faithfully and do it in another place? I think the answer is yes. Every one of you are bright, shining lights. It's who you are. It is what God says about you. He points his finger to you. Listen to me. If you are covered, if you have come to know and you've asked Jesus to be Lord, King, and Savior of your life and to cover you of your sin and brokenness and to give you his glory, then when Jesus looks on you, he points his finger at you and says, you are the light of the world. That's who you are. You are the light of the world. city on a hill. That's what God wants to speak over every one of us. It's what he wants to do. He wants to flip the world upside down. He wants to change the world. One moment at a time, it's what he does. I feel thankful for that. First Timothy, we'll just finish with this. Listen, I just wanna say this. The only thing that's holding us back from making an impact in the lives of people is fear, failure, and shame. We're afraid we don't have all the answers. Let me tell you, nobody has all the answers. If you're like, I'm afraid to reach out to somebody because somebody's gonna ask me a theological question I can't answer, welcome to the club. That's all of us. Someday Jesus will answer all of those, but let's not hold back. If you're going, I can't be a blessing in my workplace because I'm a failure and I've already been an office gossip and I've already been a bad boss and I've already messed up, guess what? Good news. You get to be on the front line of showing the transformational work of God in your life. If, you've, if you feel like, man, I've already blown it and I've already gone too far and my reputation at the office is a mess, guess what? You get to be on display for the transformation of God. It's just, that's to get where you get to be. People get to literally see you change and transform. That's the partnership that God's asking for right now. Nothing you do, it's what God wants to do in you is you just keep saying yes to him and partnering with him. First Timothy 1, 
For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Meaning you gotta, you gotta ask God to keep moving. You can't stop. Which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave to us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. There is no fear, there's no worry, there's no doubt, there is no failure that we've ever had that can keep us from God using us as light in a broken world. Not, there's nothing. So God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power. You feel that? Maybe not. I'm feeling this myself up here. Come on. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but power. Dang. Power. And love. And self-control so you don't act like a crazy person all the time. All right? That's what God has given us. Our job, listen, our jobs were, thank God for provision. We've been saying it all throughout the series. Our job is a, a work of worship. And God's using our jobs to even work on the rough edges in us. We said that last week. But God is God has ultimately put you in your job for one, because there is one eternal thing that matters, the majesty and the glory of God forever. And whether people know him or don't, it just comes down to that. I just want more people to know him. And I just happen to be looking at a group of people that really, really beautifully reflect the, the, the goodness and the beauty of God. And I would love for us to be a church that walks in that. A band, you guys come up. We're just gonna finish this morning. You guys stand with me. We're gonna finish out.